growing and maturing and becoming more what God wants you to be, at least for my story, it's become, I'm trying not to be as much a stuffer, but that's my default position. And then I'll go away and think about it. Very early on in my marriage, over 40 years ago now, <laughs> Rhonda would say to me, what's wrong? And I would say, <laughs> so you know. Now I'm much better. What's wrong? Nothing. <laughs> Eventually your body language will give you away, won't you? See, some of us are good poker players. Doesn't matter what's going inside, you can put a smile on, you can pretend to be nice. And other people are not good poker players. They're not happy. What's going on? Nothing. They just can't hide it. It comes out somehow for them. Well, God has shaped us differently. That's just acknowledging that truth that um, some of us are stuffers, we keep it in, and some of us are gushers, we're quite happy to spray it and let it all out. And most of us are probably somewhere in between. We could be combinations of various parts of that in ourselves. I wanted to say this before I pray. The, that very thing we're talking about this morning, emotions, emotions are God-given. They're just feelings. They can be positive, pleasant things, and they can also be nasty and unpleasant things. They're simply our reactions, an emotional reaction, response, if you like, to internal or external stimuli, things that are going on. They're neutral. What you do about them is not neutral. They just simply spontaneously occur. You can choose to feed them, nurture them within, you can harbour them or you can express them. You can express them in an uncontrolled manner, you can express them in a controlled manner, which is obviously the ideal. Emotions are certainly essential for our healthy life. They're God-given. Life without emotion would certainly be dull, wouldn't it? Never felt any excitement, never felt any great joy, never experienced sadness or loss or grief, never got annoyed, frustrated or angry. None of that, all gone. You'd be flatlined, wouldn't you? Emotions are given to add interest and joy and colour to our life but of course we live in a fallen world where we get some of these emotions and we get them we express them incorrectly that's where we get into trouble Jesus had emotions but he never acted on his emotions in any sinful way so too therefore for us it's possible as mature followers of the Lord Jesus or emotionally healthy people will respond with their emotions and to their emotions in a Christ honouring way neither stuffing it in harmfully nor expressing it uncontrollably but rather holding it, thinking it through, responding accordingly and behaving accordingly. It's a process. And there are five steps we're going to talk about as we go through um, this material. God wants us to be emotionally healthy. Let me pray and then let's jump in the deep end. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are here by your spirit. We've been reminded in your word that you're the God who knows everything. You know us thoroughly. You record everything. Nothing is omitted or forgotten except our sin, which you choose to forgive and to cleanse and to remove. But all the other stuff you're fully aware of. And if it's known to you, therefore, Lord, you're encouraging us to be very honest with you. Help us to do that today and in future days. And we pray that you would speak to us 
and that you would place your finger on that particular step or that particular aspect of our life that you want to bring healing, change, transformation into our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody said? I guess by way of introduction, I'd also like to say in the book of Solomon, there was a beautiful little expression. I preached a message on it a long, long time ago. In Song of Solomon, um, which you have to be over, you have to be married to be able to read it. If you're not married, you're not allowed to read it. You know, everybody's going to go and read it. The Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15 says, Catch the foxes for us, the little foxes, that spoil the vineyards that are in blossom. It's a picture that Solomon, the author, is saying about these cute little fluffy little animals that come out in the spring. They're cute little things, catch the little foxes that actually gnaw away at the roots of the new blossoming vineyard plants, gnawing at the roots and destroying the vineyards. Cute little cuddly things, grab them, wring their neck, catch the foxes, the little foxes. So to an ally, there are these little things that we may be harbouring, that we may be nurturing, uh, that through these steps you'll see that we need to catch them and remove them. What's gnawing away at us, inside of us? doesn't always have to be gross, dark, evil. It can be some small little thing that we may have ignored or the hurt that's been so deep-seated. It's going to take a process to get it out. I'd also like to say before we jump into the five steps that we're going to look at that everyone has at least one and for most of us probably more likely several and if not many emotional wounds from our past. We've all been wounded. There's no exception. Now whether you've had it dealt with, whether you've uh, already been through this process and followed these steps, that may be the case for you. But the chances are that for most of us, if not all of us, there is still stuff in us. Emotional, unhealthy bits that we need to hear and we need to respond to these steps on. We also need to know that emotional wounds, emotional hurts will take longer and often do take a lot longer to heal than physical hurts. Cut yourself, break something, days, weeks healed. Emotional wounds can go for weeks, months, years, decades. And for many of us, that's quite normal. In the process of growing up, we've been wounded. Somebody said something, somebody did something. It could have been our family. could have been a significant other. It could have been the kids at school. It could have been a teacher. We remember. And it's buried deep somewhere within us. And it's been festering away for years and it's actually the contributing cause to some of our behaviours that we maybe can't understand. Emotional wounds take longer to heal. The Lord Jesus wants to heal you. He wants to deal with these hidden wounds. He's the one who invites, come to me, all of you who are weary, heavy burdened, heavy laden, give you rest. You haven't got to carry it anymore. I want to heal you. Psalm 147 verse 3 says that God is the one who heals the brokenhearted. He bandages up their wounds. Oh, what are these five steps? Number one, you need to face your hurts. 
You need to admit it. You need to name it. You need to put a label on it. You need to identify it. You need to face it. You need to stop running from it. You need to stop burying it. You need to, you need to own it and to say, this is true for me. We must face our hurt. Psalm 39, verses 2 and 3 says, When I kept quiet, when I kept it within, I became too, more upset. I became very angry inside. And as I thought about it, my anger burned. That's not what God wants to do for us. We do live in this fallen world where we do get hurt and where we do hurt others, where we hurt one another. If you're into tweeting, tweet this. <clears throat> hurt people, hurt people. Think about it. Hurt people, people who have been hurt, hurt others. Hurt people, hurt people. And often, a person who is hurting other people, it's because they, in fact, have been hurt. And they may not even be aware of it. They're actually living and operating out of that emotional wound, that hurt. None of us are exempt. Each of us, as I said, have been whatever. What are the wrong ways? Well, I've already told you a couple of wrong ways. You can stuff it in. You can try to forget it. You just try to bury it. My story was I used to have a metaphor. And when I used to... <clears throat> and uh, I'd have to think about when... Back in the 1980s, I was on a pastoral retreat, a retreat group with pastors, and that's where I first entered into an experience of what I called ripping up the floor. We had to take time, a couple of hours, half a day, whatever, and you would talk to this, for me, this other group of pastors, and there were nine other pastors who were just listening. Tell us your story. Tell you where you were born, where you grew up, significant childhood memories, and they're listening intently. It's the way you say something. It's the thing you didn't say. It's where you took a deep breath. It's where you pause. They hear it all. And then they just simply reflect back. Daryl, when you spoke about your grandfather, you took a very deep breath. Tell us about that. And they help you then to explore within. And that was my experience. And I found it very difficult to get to that point of letting it out because it had been in there for years. And I could actually remember this. And when another thoughtful thing came, I would put it in and then I'd put another plank on top. I was building a floor and keeping all this hurtful emotion within. Well, through this group of pastors and their ministers, through the Lord Jesus, really, it was time to take up the floor. Well, when you take up the floor, what happens? Well, a stuffer becomes a gusher. That's what happens. You emotionally will just have this huge outpouring of hurt and pain and memories and but the good thing is, when that stuff comes out, now there is room for new perceptions and new insights. Now you have ears to hear something else. And it's a process of healing. It's not always dramatic as that, but yeah, it often is. Wrong ways to deal with it, stuffing it in. Some people try to run away from it. You may not be a stuffer like I was. You may try to escape through drugs or drink. Or whatever distractions, busyness at work, avoidance processes, running away from it. Some people, similarly to suffers, they just try to cover it up, pretend everything is okay, and they put on a nice, happy, smiling face, whether through embarrassment or ego or whatever it is, but like a Coke bottle. The Coke is inside, and if you shake it, when you take the top off, what's going to happen? It's going to gush out, isn't it? Well, we're a bit like the Coke bottle, and we're being shaken up. At some point, Jesus says, I want the lid to come off so it can come out. 
To be emotionally healthy, we need to, number one, face our hurts. We need to be honest. We need to admit the hurt, the pain, the anger, the res- whatever it is. Honest about how you felt about what they said or what they did or what they didn't say or what they didn't do. You had a response to it and you've remembered it. And the evil one probably keeps reminding you of it. Revealing, owning, admitting this thing, revealing your hurt, the feeling, is the beginning of the process for healing. You could tweet that too. That's a Rick Warren one, that one. Revealing my feeling is the first step to healing. Need to be honest. With whom do I need to be honest? With yourself. Admit it to yourself. Secondly, admit it to God. He already knows. He measures and knows everything already. He knows exactly how you're feeling and he knows what you're doing about it, whether you're doing nothing about it, whether you're running from it, whether you're escaping from it, or whether you're just pretending and venting and vomiting but never really getting to the core of it. He knows. So talk to him about it and vent with him. Open your heart, pour it out to him. If you feel it, he already knows it. So you're not going to shock him or upset him. Reread the Psalms. Read the book of Job for gut level honesty. God is waiting for you to be honest with him. And it may be appropriate, as we'll come to, you may have to talk to another person about it as well. Depends how they're involved in this hurt. Psalm 32 verse 3 says, When I kept things to myself, I felt weak inside, and I moaned all day. What's the first step? You have to face your hurts. Before we move on, I should say this. The first point is going to be the longest by a long way. Hidden hurts don't heal. You don't forget them. They're filed away. You've pushed them down. You haven't forgotten. You've filed them. And they will be accessed one day. Holding on to hurts is like carrying around holes in your stomach. Who's getting burnt? You are. Nobody else is. You're hurting yourself. Which is why God says that we need to go to the second step, which is what we'll come to in a minute. Before I get to it, I want to say this to you. The Bible warns us in Hebrews 12, 15, that if we swallow one of these hurts or these offences, a sin against us, and we simply keep it within, as I said, it tends to fester, and your stomach will grow sour, spiritually speaking, not physically, And it'll develop into a root of what Hebrews calls a root of bitterness. It turns from hurt and annoyance into bitterness. It's it's toxic. You're poisoning yourself. And Hebrews 12.15 talks about this root of bitterness can actually then defile others around you by your bad attitudes, by your bad behaviour. So it actually gets worse. So number one, as followers of the Lord Jesus, to be emotionally mature, we need to face it be honest about it number two a difficult step they're all difficult i must forgive those who have hurt me it's very clear biblical teaching i must forgive those who have hurt me i've identified the hurt the pain the issue whatever it is inside and along the process i've identified who well that person who hurt me i have to forgive the reality is i can either choose to get even or I can choose to forgive, but I can't do both. 
If I want, to, I want to be emotionally healthy, there's only one thing that I can do, and that's to forgive. But if I want to get even, then I'm simply hanging on to my own ill health, my own immaturity. The Bible's very clear that we are not to avenge ourselves, we're to let God do it. It's mine to repay, says the Lord, the one who knows all things, who knows exactly what was going on for them and understands it far better than you do. God says, leave it with me. We make the mistake sometimes that when somebody has hurt us, what we want to do is, God, it's okay, I got this one. I'll sort this one out. I'll get even with them. Well, here's the secret for you. Getting even doesn't take away the pain. Payback doesn't solve the problem. The Bible teaches very clearly we are to extend forgiveness towards them. But they don't deserve to be forgiven. No, they don't. You're right. They're guilty, they were wrong, and they hurt you, and they shouldn't have done it. But they did. <clears throat> Your responsibility is to forgive them. To offer and to extend forgiveness, not for their sake, but for your sake. The Lord's Prayer, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Forgiveness is extended to them in your attitude, in your mind, in your heart. You no longer hold it against them. So forgive them for your own sake. What's the, one of the key songs out of that movie, that great theological hit, Frozen? <clears throat> what is it? Let it go. That's what you've got to do. Let it go. We should sing that at the end of the service, shouldn't we? <laughs> God says, God knows, he will not forget. He will deal with them. And he'll deal with them much better than you will. And don't be surprised if he also forgives them and is merciful to them. It's not what you want. Just like he was with you, with your guilt, your sin, he forgave. So he wants to extend grace to others, the guilty ones, the ones who hurt you. Step number three. We must not only seek to forgive those who have hurt us, we must also seek, number three, to, we must seek the forgiveness of others that we have hurt. So, did I say that well? They hurt me, I have to forgive them. But I have hurt others by what I said or what I did or didn't. And so when I am aware of it, I am to seek their forgiveness. Matthew 5 the Lord Jesus says, when you're presenting your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, that you did something wrong. When you remember that, leave your gift, top priority, leave your gift, forget about going on with worshipping God in your life and pretending everything is okay, go and speak to your brother or sister, seek to be reconciled. Step three, there could be people that we need to go to to have a conversation with to say, I want to acknowledge that what I did or what I said was wrong and it was that I, I hurt you. If the Holy Spirit brings it to you, then you act on that. Think, listen very carefully and quickly to this. Number one, be very clear. Maybe even write it out, what you did or what you said, what you're talking about. Make sure then that you're asking them to forgive you, but make sure before you do that that you've forgiven them. Don't use this as a means of manipulation, that you're going to say, look... I did this and I was wrong and, um, and so please forgive me. And then really what you want to hear from them is them forgiving, them asking you 
Don't go with the motive of trying to set them up so that they'll ask you to be forgiven, that they'll apologise. That won't work. Label your actions, what you're aware that you did that was wrong. Be specific. Don't offer excuses. Don't cast blame. Don't expect, as I said, them to reciprocate. Number three, indicate that you will not do it again. God reminds me of this person, this thing, this act. I go to that person because I need to. What I said, what I did, that was wrong. I won't do it again. Please forgive me. They're the statements that you need to include. They're the details. Not what I did, what I said was wrong. Sorry. Sorry doesn't cut it. Apologies are not in the Bible. Confession, forgiveness is in the Bible. It's harder but healthier confession what i did was wrong no excuses you said this and i did that don't go there what i said was wrong what if they don't forgive you well that's their problem now you're back to step two i need to extend forgiveness to others that have hurt me you're at step three You need to seek the forgiveness of others whom you have hurt. Please think very carefully about the right place, the right time. It's not always immediately. Sometimes you'll need time and you need a safe place. Make sure also you do it face to face. Don't send an email, don't send a text and don't write a letter. Other people can get it. It's got nothing to do with other people. One on one, face to face. Preferably alone. But then you've got to make a judgement call is this a safe thing for me to do alone? Maybe somebody else has to come with me. It has to be a safe conversation. And not in writing. Unless, of course, there's just no other way to communicate. Face to face, eyeball to eyeball, heart to heart, honest confession, asking the question, will you forgive me? I won't do it again. Step four. Having done those steps, then we are to focus on our future. We're to refocus on our new identity that we have in Christ. You've got to let it go. What they did to me, let it go. What I did to them, I've asked them forgiveness, let it go. You've done your bit. Get your attention off the past. Focus now on the future and God's purposes for you and what he wants you to do. I tried thinking of an illustration and I came up with this, see if it's helpful. When we drive a car, most of us, (laughs) all of us, sit in the driver's seat and we look out the windscreen and we look look forward, don't we? And occasionally we look in the rearview mirrors to see what's around us or to see what's behind us. That's how we should live our life, looking forward. Occasional glimpses back, occasional glimpses to see who's around us. Some of us live our lives driving. We're living our lives as if we're looking through the... Well, the car's in reverse. The car's facing that way, looking through the the back window, if you like. And now you're looking at the mirror to drive forward. What do you think the chances are that you're going to prang into something? Pretty high. If you live your life by looking backwards and trying to move forwards, you're going to have accident after accident after accident. If you want to move forward safely, you have to be looking forward, not backwards. Sin is dealt with. Forgiveness is extended. Forgiveness is given. Move forward. You're a new creature in Christ. The past, your past is your past. That was then. 
This is now. There's a new you. Focus on that. The evil one is the master at wanting to dredge stuff up from our past and to remind us of it. Well, that's where this discipline comes in of taking every thought captive and bringing it into obedience to Christ. 2 Corinthians 10.5. Romans 12.2 is being renewed in your mind, the way you think. So when you have extended forgiveness to another, when you have asked for forgiveness from another, and when you are reminded of their sin and their hurt against you, refuse to entertain the thought. No, I've dealt with that. That doesn't stay in my mind. Refocus. What is God's will and purpose for me? What do I need to be doing? Make sense? Imagine I get up one morning and I'm making Rhonda likes um, poached eggs for breakfast. So I get up and I'm making poached eggs. And last night we'd had an argument We'd spoken about it. She was wrong, of course. But gracious and godly, I forgave her. And she was humbled and she said she would never do it again. Everything's fine. Next morning I get up, I'm making poached eggs. She's still in bed and then she gets up and I've made a cup of tea and the bread's in the toaster and the eggs are cooking away. And then I remember what she did. Those poached eggs become scrambled eggs. (laughs) How could she say that? How could she think that? Don't do that. You've extended forgiveness. So when the thought and the feelings return, how could she say and do that? Say, uh-uh, I've dealt with this. So move on to something else. I need to make... Bacon or something, I don't know. It's... <laughs> Does that make sense? And it will happen to you. Because it happens to all of us. It's exactly what happens. Our brain is an amazing recorder. And it records all sorts of things. And we have a spiritual enemy who is around. And we have an old sinful selfish nature as well. Which will want to dredge up the pity me things because we have egos. And we want to look after ourselves. And sometimes we are thinking incorrectly. We're not thinking as healthy, whole followers of the Lord Jesus. Job chapter 11 is a great chapter. It's about a guy called Zophar. You have to be careful when you read the book of Job, but there are gems in it. In this particular passage, it says, if you put your heart right, that's steps one and two and three. When you put your heart right, then reach out to God. Invite him in to every room, every aspect of your life, every part of it. Face the world again. Don't withdraw from it. Don't build walls. Stop saying you're the victim. And then your memories will be healed, Zophar tells Job. And you'll forget about your past hurts. You'll be able to enter the day with a new future. It's a great concept and it's an observation on life that he had observed. Your past is your past. Step four is refocus on your future and stop dredging up the past which has been dealt with when it's been dealt with. And number five, the great thing is, when God is in the process of healing us, God never wastes a hurt. He never wastes a tear. The psalmist says that he's recorded or he's kept all of our tears in a bottle. When you've been upset, he knows. He's recorded. He's got a note of it. When you've had a painful experience, he has a note of it. And 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4 says, while we go through hard times, God gives us a comfort. 
And the comfort that he gives us, we are unable to pass on that comfort to another in order that they might find and experience the same comfort from God that we have received. We hurt, he comforts us, he's equipping and training us that we can share that comfort with another. So step number five is that God realised God wants to use your hurts to help others. Be open to that. Don't be surprised if he takes you into conversations with people of the very same experience you've had. Time has gone, but there was a lady once who was in another church and she was just bitter to God and was drifting and I went and visited her one day and sat down and some of this stuff started coming out and she was angry at God because she had lost a child, a young child, baby. And she said to me, you have no idea what it's like. Well, I could say, I know exactly what it's like. And she changed. She went, really? I went, yes. So I told her my story. And it was the beginning of the process for her on this path of healing. God using what had happened to us in somebody else's life to enable him to open them a little bit more to God's grace and goodness. So sometimes God will take you through a valley. He'll take you through a painful experience because he's equipping you, he's training you, that you can be using that in somebody else's life. So always be open to that. It's part of being um, his servant, his child. A burden shared is more than halved. When somebody is sharing with you, please just listen to them. Don't try and fix it, just listen. Share with them what God has taught you. Just make suggestions, don't give directions. And sometimes, sometimes, sometimes the hurt will be so deep, it'll be so difficult, it'll be beyond your skill set. Sometimes you're going to have to refer them and suggest they go see a professionally qualified, a trained professional, qualified person counselling, psychologist, psychiatrist. For some of us, some issues are so deep, we're going to need experts to help us unravel it. So which step do you need to take? First step, face your hurt, acknowledge it to yourself and to God. Do you need to forgive, extend forgiveness to someone who has hurt you? Do you need to seek the forgiveness of somebody else whom you've hurt? No, dealt with all of that. Do you need to be intentionally live looking forward, not looking backwards, of issues that have been dealt with? Open this to God using you in this coming week. Lord, bring somebody across my path that you can use me to just speak your truth, your comfort into their life. Which step? Pick which one. And commit yourself to doing that one this week so that you can experience God's ongoing process of emotional healing. We're going to pray. Let's pray together. Lord, you are the God of relationships. You are the God who heals and the God who knows everything. You know, Lord, we live in this fallen, broken world. You know that we have wounds and hurts. Perhaps, Lord, there's someone that we need to forgive. We ask that you would bring it to our attention, bring it to our mind, and then enable us to be obedient to your promptings and to your word. Perhaps, Lord, there's someone we need to go and have a conversation with and to seek and to ask for their forgiveness. Likewise, remind us. Lord, help us 
to live looking forward with a new identity in the Lord Jesus as being redeemed, as the past being dealt with. Not just our sins forgiven, but all these other emotional wounds dealt with. And Lord, in looking forward and living forward, help us to be open to those around us whom you may want us to be ministering to, caring for, sharing with. Thank you, Lord, that you know us, that you love us, and that you intend good things for us. Help us to cooperate with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing together. Let's stand. Could be that you want someone to pray with you, particularly today, or to share with. You can come forward at the end if you'd like someone at the front to do that. person beside you. Don't bury it. Don't forget. But let's deal with this stuff together. forgiveness towards us um, because we absolutely have sinned and corrupted everything that God's done for us so it makes us a song of meditation on his forgiveness and his grace worthy is the lamb that was slain